This is episode number seven of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson here with my friend Ashley Huntsberger. How are you doing today, Ashley? Doing good. Welcome back to the podcast again, guys. Yes, definitely. Welcome back. We're trying to make this a regular thing. And thanks to Ashley, we will because she keeps everybody on task. <laughs> and that's for sure. So what? It's so a blessing and a curse. It is. It's both. It's both. <laughs> so, um, so what's going on down south of the equator? Oh, not too much. We got a chilly morning here in El Alto, but yeah, it's not too bad considering we're technically in winter. So I guess so. And oh, yeah. we're doing good. We've got some nice sunny days going on. El Alto, and you are Alto, 13,000 feet. Yikes. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So anyway, you see you're in Bolivia. Personally, I like to eat. You know, I like to travel. I like to eat. I like <laughs> to go to places, you know, have local food, things like that. Are you a foodie, Bob? No, nah, I'm not going to call myself that. <laughs> I'm a human being, and human beings have to eat. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, foodie, nah. But um, what's some good Bolivian food? Oh, there's tons of good Bolivian food. Um, Bolivians love to eat as well. And every city has very specific traditional dishes. So here we're just kind of getting to know the dishes. We've only been here a few months in El Alto, but they have, um, they have some interesting foods. They have a, a soup kind of dark it's kind of it looks like black the soup but it has corn and wheat and it's a really interesting taste it's really good it has also mint leaves in it hmm. it's called chairo so that one's good and then a couple hours from here is a city called oruro and every time we go there we love to eat charque de llama so it's actually llama meat hmm. um it's kind of like a jerky and they have a, a traditional plate called charque can, and they give you a bowl. So it has what they call mote, which is basically the corn that in the, in the States they give to animals. The, you know, the, mm -hmm. the corn with the white kernels that are real big. Yeah. Feed corn. Yeah. So people eat feed corn here. <laughs> so it has that. And then a couple of potatoes and a hard-boiled egg, and the llama meat, and you eat it with your hands. They don't give you any forks or spoons with that one. Um, but it is delicious. You just have to try llama meat. It's, it's a little salty, but it's really good. I was going to say, is it is it gamey, like venison? No, I don't, I don't feel like it is at all. Hmm. Hmm. It's just delicious. <laughs> wow. Um, and then my husband's favorite plate is something called Pique Macho, which is a big mix of things. It has French fries on the bottom, and then it's got, uh, you know, beef, like cut up pieces of beef, like kind of like steak tips. And then it has, they call it sausage, but it's basically hot dog, cut up hot dog, and hard boiled eggs. Then it has, some of them will put slices of cheese or not really slices of cheese chunks of cheese hmm. and then there's a sauce on top 
and then they put it's it's macho it's for machos because it has a what they call locoto it's the spicy pepper here mm. so it has cut up locoto so it's spicy too but he loves that one that one's good too oh sign me up that sounds good yeah and we still haven't tried everything so that yeah, <laughs> even better yep we have friends in a city called potosi We've never been there, so it's still on our, our list of places to visit. And they actually have a soup. I'm not sure what's in it, but they put volcanic rock in it. Wow. That, and the rock's real hot. So they put the rock in, and it actually makes the soup boil, and it keeps it hot. So is the rock heated by a volcano, or do they heat it up on the stove? I'm pretty sure they heat it up on, in uh, the uh, Okay. Yeah, that would be a little hard to get. Yeah. Cut. Oh, I just want to tell you, your mic is picking up a lot of breath sounds. I don't know. You might is want it? to tilt it. I don't know right. if you can tilt it. Is, is it a headset? Can you still hear me okay? Yeah. Right oh, there? Yeah. yeah, you can tilt it like down below, you know, like down by your chin. Yeah. It and, and it still picks up just it fine. Up. Yeah, it sounds good. Keep talking. Sorry, in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. How's that? Is that better? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's good. Keep Keep okay. talking. Keep talking. Still better. No breathing. Yeah, I mean, don't don't be um, don't stop don't breathing. be self conscious about <laughs> it. Yeah, but you can't hear it, so yeah, okay. Keep, yeah, all right. That Is that a good, good spot for it? You think that sounds good? Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. All right, so we're back in three, two, one. Yeah, so there's plenty of foods, plenty of variety of foods to try in Bolivia. Wow, that's quite a bit. I, my daughter lives near a Salvadoran restaurant in the Washington D.C. area, so she took me there when I was down there a couple of weeks ago. And I had yeah, I had papusas, papusas. Ah, I love papusas. Oh man, it was delicious. So good. It was great. Anyway, this isn't a food show, but I, I just had to ask you. <laughs> I, I figured, I figured, you know, I mean, everybody else who listens to the podcast, they they like to eat too. So good. Well, thanks for that. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> No problem. So anyway, today on the podcast, uh, we've got a number of things going on. We're going to talk about the uh, uh, about some news, things going on in the world of street photography. Um, uh, we've got a few things going on at the magazine. We'll update you on that. And we're going to talk about being afraid to shoot on the street. Uh, we find a lot of people are a little fearful of shooting on the street. And uh, a lesson learned, lesson I learned. So let's uh, let's get into the news. So Ashley, what uh, what do you know that's going on? Well, we we got a note from Harvey Stein about a workshop he's doing in India that seems really cool. Um, the note he sent us does say that the invitation for the workshops is for former or or current students, friends, and photographers who they know of. Uh, it's kind of an exclusive offer, but you never know if you get in contact, maybe you could get in there as well. Uh, but there's two workshops. One's in North India and the other one is in South India. And they just seem like really, uh, really intensive workshops, but also really exciting workshops. They're about two weeks in length. And, you know, they provide you with, with uh, accommodations and I'm not sure about food. We, we were planning on doing one of these uh, doing a blog a blog post about the workshop, so we'll have more details there for sure. 
but they're going to take you to a lot of cool places and it's a pretty long workshop. I mean, two weeks is one of the longest workshops I've heard of in a, in a foreign country. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it does. Sounds really cool. He's going to be there with a photographer. Or I hope I don't, hope I pronounce her name right. Ar- or his name, Arkana Kumar. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Harvey is a, a fabulous instructor. Um, he's, trained so many really talented photographers so yeah uh, i i wish i could go yeah same here <laughs> now th- this must be new york day harvey's from new york um one of my favorite photographers len spire is uh he is going to be at a gallery in uh, in new york and he's been accepted at the Dan Clooney or Dan Cooney Gallery. It's on Twenty uh, Sixth Street, and he's going to have a solo show. Starts on September fifteenth, and uh, they start between six and eight p.m. I think they're going to have a little get together there, and then it runs till October twenty ninth. Um, and he's going to be giving a talk on October first, and also on October eleventh um, during the show. Uh, Len's going to be celebrating his 89th birthday. He is, wow. oh yeah, he is going strong. Amazing guy. You know, he's been a, you know, he, he's been a street shooter in New York since the sixties. He's a fixture there. He's also a, a copyright attorney. So he, you know, he, he knows his rights in terms of yeah. uh, uh, intellectual property. So uh, if you're in the New York area, don't miss miss that. I just I love Len's work. He's just he's a great guy, and uh, you know check it out. Yeah, that sounds like a really good event. Definitely, um, another New Yorker. Well, actually, he's from Montreal, but he lives in New York now. Mike Mike Sweet. He's been in the magazine a couple times, and he's going to be speaking at B and H. Uh, he's published a few books and. Uh, uh, he's going to talk about the human fragment, the making of a photography book. And uh, so he'll be at B&H on September 28th from 4 to 6 p.m. And B&H has, uh, has an event space. They do. They have lots of lectures. They're free. They record them. Most of them, they put them up on YouTube. I'll, we'll have to put a link to their YouTube channel in the, um, in the show notes. Uh, I've seen yeah. a lot of really good... Uh, speakers. As a matter of fact, Len Spire spoke there not too long ago. Uh, there's a, a great video. I think he did two different videos for him. So great, uh, excellent, wow. yeah, e- excellent research. Yeah, that sounds like a good a good thing to watch as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, being being H is just something else. If you're a photographer and you go to Newark, New York, you're going to wind up there. I mean, it's <laughs> just an amazing place. Yeah. Yeah, you probably didn't get over there when you were in New York last year, did you? No, I did not. We had a quick trip, had the grandparents along, so we just saw a few main, the top tourist destinations for my husband, who's never been to New York. <laughs> and and B&H wasn't on the list. That's all right. No, it was not, unfortunately. Next time, though. Well, my husband loves New York, so he says if we go back to, to the States, we have to go to New York again. So. Of course. <laughs> Yeah. Of course. The, New York is number one and Cleveland is number two. <laughs> yeah, we haven't made it there yet either. No, so. Most people haven't. Uh, 
One other thing, I, I don't know if you had this or not, is, uh, in fact, I think we just received it today. There's a, uh, uh, Brussels street photography workshop and that's, oh, okay. yeah. when that take place? uh, yeah, it's a festival and workshop. I'm sorry. And that's going to be October. Yeah. Late October, 28th, 29th and 30th. And, okay. and then the exhibit is, uh, Friday, October 28th through November 11th. And hmm, that should be a good event. Who's putting it on? Yeah. It's put on by the Brussels street photography festival. And okay. yeah, so that's that's the group that's putting it on, and we're, we'll learn more about it as we go. Uh, like I said, we, this just came in this morning, so I thought I, I thought I'd mention it. We'll have uh, links to the festival and their Facebook page. Um, but uh, there are a couple of things. There's going to be um, they're going to have a five day Magnum workshop by Belgian photographer uh, Harry. I'm terrible with French names. Harry Gruyere. And then also BK Deporter. And my apologize to those folks for butchering their names. But that's just what we do here. Um, and they're going to have the Art of Storytelling Workshop, which I think sounds really, really cool. And then some yeah, street photography sure. workshops in public by um, by David Gibson. So uh, a lot going on there. And uh, I've never been to Brussels. I hear it's a really cool, cool place. So. So check it out. Yeah, that sounds like a really good one. It sounds like really good workshops, too. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And I tell you, anytime you have a chance to take a workshop, definitely do it. You can you, you learn so much from, you know, the instructor as well as from each other. And any instructor learns a lot from you, which is one yeah. thing I'm going to talk about in a little little while. So what's going on at Street Photography Magazine? Well, we've got a couple things going on. Um, our gallery for this month is about color. I think we mentioned that last on our last podcast briefly. So we're still looking for entries on that one. We just need you to be in our Flickr group, uh, which is Street Photography Magazine, and then upload your your color street photography photo or image and tag it SPM Color. SPM so, Color. Yep. Yeah. I made a little video about this, and I made it look more complex than it is. So tag it. <laughs> no, it's a good video. <laughs> yeah, and for you Canadians and Australians, you can spell it C O L O U R and we'll we'll find it both ways. Yeah. Um one thing I wanted to remind everybody out there is not to forget to add a few details about specifically about color in the description of your image. Um why you chose to leave the image in color what made the colors uh, ideal or why you wanted to capture the colors. Just something that can help other people to include color in their street photography as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because we're only going to publish them with those, uh, with those details. Right. And Bob, you uploaded a couple photos. So if, if you guys aren't sure what to add in your description, you can see Bob's photo. He had, he did a good example of how to, Describe the image, how you took it, and why color was important. Yes, exactly. And and it's not going to be in the article, by the way. But, uh, yeah, I put that in there. When I made the video, I uploaded an image and put some descriptive text in. So yeah, take a look at it. And it's one of eight gazillion photos in there. But um, if you do a search <laughs> uh, in the search box, SPM color, then it'll come up. Right. 
Yep, exactly. So we'll, we still have a couple weeks that we'll be looking at everybody's uh, submissions for that. So, so if you haven't already, go ahead and upload your color street photography image and we'll, we'll check it out. Yeah. And as I said, I made a video and, and uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. So if you want to watch the video, check that out. Um, yeah. yeah, we've, uh, we started something new. We've, you know, we've, we've been at this for three and a half years now. We just published our 39th issue and a lot of people ask about back issues. They buy back issues individually. We just created a bundle offer for our first 24 issues, which actually runs over two years because our first six months we published every other month. Um, so we took the first 24 issues, put them in a bundle, um, and it's forty seven ninety nine. So uh, you can get all these issues. When you do it through the uh, the iPad app, um, it looks like another issue. You click that, you buy the issue, and then in there are links to all the other um, to all the issues. And when you click that, it automatically gets downloaded into your collection of uh, street photography magazine issues on the app. Uh, by the way, if you didn't know, we actually publish on two platforms. We uh, we started with the iPad app, and we still have lots and lots of subscribers on that. So you can get the iPad app, or you can just subscribe through the website, and that's a, a web version of the magazine or a web magazine. And um, so you can get either or, and it's the same exact content, uh, just delivered a little differently. So sometimes, Awesome. Yeah. That's a good deal um, and a good opportunity for for all of our new subscribers or people who are new to the magazine or the blog exactly exactly and because we get that question all the time so we put that together as a special service to you and we've got some good stuff in those back issues too <laughs> that's Worth right checking out yeah that's right i mean the uh, street photography content is evergreen uh you know lasts forever and it's just as valid t- today as it was three years ago or as it was 50 years ago yep so check it out it's a great resource um awesome. yeah and our august issue came out uh on friday the what was it friday the 19th of august last friday yeah yep yeah, of course this will be this will be playing a little bit later. We'll be uh we'll be publishing this later in the week. But yeah, it's still last Friday. <laughs> and Yeah, and we've got some nice stuff in there. Um yeah. we've got your your article, Bob, about the Republican National Convention you went to on your photo walk. Yep. That's a really good one. Yeah, well thank um, you. And then I really like the article by Vitor Sa. I don't know if that's how he pronounces his name, too. <laughs> he's from Brazil. Um, it's called Copa na Copa. Yeah. And he's got some really good images. I really like the bright beach images he has of of Rio. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, and it was good timing. We published it during the yeah. Olympics. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that today. I wonder if anybody's been out on the streets and during the Olympics there. You know, that's a great idea. If you were down there for the Olympics... Um, maybe we should put together a flicker, a flicker tag. Uh, that's you know what I'm just gonna say right now. Tag your yeah, photos we'd love on to Flickr. See this project for sure. Exactly. SPM Olympics. Just use yeah. the tag SPM Olympics, and um, 
we will find it. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure there's tons to see, tons of, you know, such an international event. It's probably a really interesting time to be out on the streets there. Yeah, I I think Rio is pretty interesting anyway. So when you have a big event like sure. that, even more so. And it's a good time to go unnoticed as a street photographer, too. <laughs> uh, absolutely, absolutely. Which... Yeah, so we've got that one by Vitor Sa. There's another really good article. Really interesting. I thought it was super interesting. Um, it's called India Along Brahmaputra. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. not sure if I'm pronouncing right. <laughs> but it's a really uh, a photographer who went through a place that seems not so touristy, actually, in India. Very off the beaten path. And he met just dozens of different ethnic groups. Um, and he, he wrote a really detailed article about it. So if it's something that interests you, there's probably enough details there for you to plan your own trip to the area. Yeah, uh-huh. really. It, it was. It, it was quite detailed. And if when we talk about these back issues, if you plan to travel around the world, uh, these back issues are a great place to get some inside information about yeah. uh, some like you say, off the beaten path places. Mm-hmm. If there's so many places you could go, sometimes it's hard to to make a decision. <laughs> um, oh, man, yeah. I mean, I'm still trying to decide what to eat next time I go to Bolivia. <laughs> yeah, so you're going to need some help choosing a, a good place. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and then, too, I mean, this podcast is kind of coming up mid uh, between issues, our our September issue will be uh, coming out in mid-September, and we've got some good things coming up there, too. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really love the article that we was submitted by Nicholas Small. Um, it's called Liberty Square, Miami's Most Dangerous Square Mile. And he took some amazing photos there. Yeah, he really did. And... Dangerous, that's a good word. Yeah, he initially submitted one of the photos by itself, and then... Uh, was, I think it was in, in one of our Shooters mm-hmm. articles, right? Yep, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's how we, That's how a lot of uh, people come to us, either as a featured photographer or somebody who submits a photo story. And this was one of his yeah. photo stories. And it's uh, really eye-opening. And the photos yeah, are, for are sure. fabulous. And I think it's pretty inspiring, too, because... He got these amazing photos in a very dangerous area. Some of us are afraid of shooting on the streets of the suburbs where it's not dangerous at all. But this guy has no fear. <laughs> yeah, that's what it takes. I don't know. I, I think I'd probably rather be in the projects than, than angering a soccer mom. <laughs> you have a point there. <laughs> <laughs> Look out. Look out. Do you know who my husband is? <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. It's no, Monday it's morning. <laughs> so yeah, that one, that's a good one. Then we have a couple of reviews. Um, we have one's pretty interesting. It's the Sony A6000 camera review, but using vintage manual focus Minolta lenses. So that's an interesting topic. Um, it's by Caldwell Payne. And he talks about some, some good questions. Like, for example, one is why... Why should we use vintage camera lenses on a modern camera body? So there's some good stuff in that article. And then we have another review about the Minolta XD11. 
So that's we have those things to look forward to coming up in September. Yeah, talking a little bit of gear trash this time around. Um, yeah, yeah, there's it's been a while. Yeah, there's a lot of interest. I think no matter what digital body you have, there's a group of people who um, are using yeah vintage prime lenses, manual lenses, and uh, I just gave it a try. Well, I didn't. It could, you have to get an adapter to do it, but um, mm-hmm. uh, we should talk more about it because a lot of people do it, and it. it does give you a certain look that you can't get normally. Yeah. It's also, sometimes it's also a cheaper option. Finding those vintage lenses instead of purchasing a, a new a new lens or a lens that was specifically made for your camera. So it's another advantage. Yeah, it is interesting, especially if you want the, a certain focal length and you don't want to buy the native lens for your camera for the few times you might use that. Right, and if you can get by with um, with manual focus, it's a it's a good way to go. Yeah, and, and who's who are you interviewing for the September issue, Bob? Uh, yes, for September we're going to have uh, Keith Dannemiller, and uh, we talked about him a little bit in the last podcast. Uh, awesome. Keith is uh, yeah, Keith is he's an American. Uh, he's actually from not too far from me, so Akron, Ohio, but he's been living in Mexico City for. 20-some years. He's a a photojournalist, documentary photographer, just done some amazing work down there. And uh, I just had a great interview with him, really interesting guy. So, and we're featuring a lot of of his work that he's taken down there. I, I talked a little bit about a story he did on the beast and you still yeah. didn't tell me how to say it right la bestia yeah sorry about that la bestia. bestia la bestia bestia yeah, yeah okay <laughs> and he had added a lot of flavor to that story just in our discussion so yeah very wow. interesting so don't that's miss exciting. that one. yeah yeah i'm excited to hear that one yeah don't miss it so that's what's coming up on our next issue um now it's time for the tip of the week and now, we've been doing these uh, surveys. Uh, when people sign up for our, our free issue, we actually send out a little survey and ask them for their opinion on, opinions on things and what their needs are. And one of, the, one of the biggest issues people have is they're afraid or they're nervous about shooting on the streets. And I completely understand because I'm in the same boat. Um, you know, most of us respect others' privacy and just respect others, so we don't want to offend people. And it can be scary shooting strangers on the street. So how do you yeah, get over sure. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes just thinking about a bad reaction, <laughs> yeah, can, can scare you away from taking a shot. Yeah, it can. It can, and that hesitation can make that shot go away. I think everybody faces this, or at least almost everybody. And one thing I've found that really helps is to be someplace where there are a lot of other photographers or there are a lot of tourists taking pictures, people taking pictures of each other. And I saw that firsthand at the Republican convention, um, and it was probably magnified 10 times because there were so many journalists there. I mean, they outnumbered the number of regular citizens on the street. There were so many people with cameras taking pictures everywhere that nobody thought a thing of it. I only had one person hold her hand up 
in front of her face, indicating she didn't want to be photographed out of hundreds of photos. So it was an excellent place. So we, uh, one of the people on the photo walk with us was a brand new photographer, not a long, let alone street photographer. She oh, just wow. started photographing. Hmm. And she was concerned about, about doing it. But after being out How'd there, she, do? she did great. She did great. Uh, and you know, she's just using a little point and shoot camera. She just made some great photos. Hmm. Uh, she had a good time, was very comfortable. So that really helps. Matter of fact, that's one thing Harvey Stein told me when he does trainings. Um, he'll go, he's in New York, so there's always something going on. Right. Um, go to a parade. Don't photograph the parade. Parades are boring. Photograph <laughs> the people around the parade. Everybody's busy watching the parade, taking their own pictures. They don't. Right. They won't even notice Think you. of it. Street fairs are another good thing. Um, I'm going to be probably leading another photo walk. Uh, here in Cleveland, uh, before a Cleveland Browns game, there's it's a big party atmosphere from like five in the morning until the game starts. People are in these big parking lots having cookouts, these tailgating parties, and they're doing all kinds of crazy things. And they want to be photographed, so get out there, and that really <laughs> helps break the ice. Yeah, good ways to ease into to street photography. Yeah, and one thing you want to do, you don't want to do, is walk around with a flash and stick it in people's face. Of course, if you, of course, if you're afraid, I don't know. Yeah. Some people do want to do that. Yeah, one in particular, um, it, it what does make some interesting images. But uh, if you're trying to to get over this fear, um, that, that right. Really and I think helps. what we're talking about too here is when you're you are trying to get unposed, un unaffected images of people in their natural habitat, just doing their thing without being disturbed. Yes. Yes. And I can tell you from personal experience, it's all in your head. When you feel like you're being creepy or you're doing <laughs> something creepy, it's going to show in your body language. Right. And people are going to pick up on it. Yeah, it's so true. I remember once I was walking downtown. I had a small camera with me, and there was a woman and her her little boy in front of me. So they, they had their back to me, and... And they were backlit, so they were like a shadow. And I go, this is really mm-hmm. a nice picture. And I had small camera, and I'm just thinking to myself, I hope she doesn't turn around and look at me. And I was getting ready to pick up the camera, and she turns around and looks right <laughs> at me. And we were probably 20 paces apart. There goes my shot. You and felt your creepiness from Creepy, afar. yeah. There's this <laughs> creepy guy back there with a camera. So, of course, I didn't take the shot. And that's happened a few times. Yeah. You know, as they... they, But it's true. A lot has to do with your own attitude. I I feel like if you realize that you're not doing anything bad and you just be nice to people, I think that has a huge effect. If they notice you and you're just nice... Yes. Usually nothing happens. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. A smile and a wave. You can even go up to them and show show them the photo. If they say, I don't want you to do that delete it who cares it's not the photo of the century well maybe it is but actually just the other day uh my husband and i we were out on the street and a man comes around the corner an old old man and he had like four or five sheep with him he was trying to find grass for his sheep and believe it or not we were in like a neighborhood we weren't 
out in the country. I was going to say that happens but, to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but he said in his neighborhood where he lives, it's real dry, so there's no grass for his sheep, so he has to go out and find places with grass. But right when he came around the corner, before we talked to him, my husband saw the sheep, and, and they were really cute little sheep. They were, there was four white ones and then the classic black sheep. So my husband took out his camera to take a, a photo of the of the sheep, and the man said, no, no, don't take a photo of my sheep. But we didn't quite understand him. Um, and when Carlos turned around, my husband, and he said, oh, do you want me to take your picture? And he had already taken a picture of the sheep, of course. And the man said, no, no, but he already took a picture of the man. <laughs> but we were just really nice to the man, and we just chatted with him for a little bit afterwards. And the man never knew he, he took a picture at all. He, he was shooting with a cell phone. so And we had a nice chat with him, and he was super nice, and he didn't get upset. So sometimes just being nice to people is enough to get your shot and even have them leave happily. <laughs> That's true. A lot of it's just your attitude. That's true. We just, you know, if you leave the camera down, just talk. Right. And nine times out of ten, they'll let you do it eventually. Yeah. And they'll be less posed. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, the, you know, just talking to people to break the ice is huge. It's huge. But, you know, you can't always do that in a city street. Right. It's true. But, um, you know, one of the keys is, yeah, be in a place where, you know, you don't stick out and and do it a lot. You know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get. It's like anything else. Yeah, that's so true. And people can sense what you're feeling. So the more comfortable you are, the better. Yeah, the more comfortable they they will be. Absolutely. It's like, yeah, when you run into a, a dog, you know, and the dog's growling at you, and they always say, don't act afraid. If you don't act afraid, you know, the dog can <laughs> smell your fear. <laughs> that's true. We all, yep. we, we, yeah, we pick up on these, these, uh, these vibes. Right. It's actually, apparently, it's a scientific fact. Um, I do some work for a, a psychiatrist, and mm -hmm. he talks a lot about mirror neur mirror neurons. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, we have these, and when we look at each other, we feel what the other person feels, and it's scientifically proven. So if we feel like a creeper, the other person will feel like we are a creeper. <laughs> but if we feel comfortable on the street and and we're just happy to see people and capture people, then they'll sense that too. Yeah, that's a very good point. So I guess if you know if you've got it in your head that you're being creepy or you're doing something wrong, stop photographing people. Right. Go photograph buildings. Yep. Cars, animals, whatever. Yeah, that's a good tip until until you can feel more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. With people. I like that. I want to learn more about that. Mirror neurons. Yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. All right. Well, let's keep moving here. Um, Ashley asked me a question last week before, or last last time we did a podcast, and I didn't answer her question. And we were talking about the RNC photo walk, and she was, what did you learn? What did you learn from it? Which is a great question. <laughs> and I did have a big lesson, and, and I guess the, the bottom line is, is be yourself and do it your own way. Um, and, and in that regard use whatever gear you want 
as long as, you know, what you want to do is use something that gets out of your way that you don't have to think about. Yeah, for sure. Um, before I, before we did the photo walk, I, I set up a rule. I said, okay, we're going to use, I'm going to challenge you guys, one camera, one lens, and see what you can do with it. And then I went down there a couple of days ahead of time, and uh, the place was just swarming with journalists, and they all were carrying two camera bodies, the big zoom lenses. <laughs> and I thought, you know, it's probably not a bad idea. Just, just bring whatever you want, and let's not worry about it. And uh, and that's what we did. A couple people had, you know, one or two bodies with a couple different size lenses. That's the way they like to work. They did great work. You know, I I did it my way. I actually brought two camera bodies with me. I had had my oh, yeah yeah I had my X one hundred T, which has a you know just a twenty three millimeter lens, and then I brought I like to shoot wide, so I brought my um, Fuji X T one with a with an eighteen millimeter. And, and did you use them both? I did, I did, and it worked out really well. Except trying to organize them in Lightroom afterwards, but that's my problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it worked out really well. I didn't want to carry a zoom lens because it's it's heavy and right. too much decision making. But yeah, it worked real well <laughs> for me, and um, I, I may do it again. Uh, usually, I'm just carrying one camera. But I tell you, I, to be honest, I've been I never even realized I've been kind of a snob about you know just carrying just shooting with the prime lens, you know, one fixed lens. <laughs> and hey, that's just my thing, you know. Do what works right. best for you. I'm tired of people saying what photo- street photography is and what it isn't. Don't worry about it. And, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'm glad I didn't say, no, don't bring a zoom lens. Uh, Stan, one of the photographers, was shooting with a 24 to 70. Mm-hmm. And, man, he got some really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so glad he did it. So, anyway, celebrate. Yeah, yeah. And, don't worry about finding a style. If you do it enough, the style is going to find you and celebrate what comes out of you. Don't worry about trying to look or, you know, create somebody else's style. Just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Those are really good, good lessons you learned from that photo walk. I but did. I feel like when we try to force a certain style to come out of us or we, we go out, okay, I'm going to shoot in the style of X photographer. It's just that it doesn't come naturally sometimes. And when we're trying to force something, it's usually not our best work. You're right. You're right. And, you know, I mean, it's good to learn from others, learn from the masters, but, you know, yeah, be yourself. Be yourself. That's usually where we get our best images. Yeah. Oh, definitely. You know, uh, which brings up our next subject and the last one, and that's my recommended photographer. Yeah. Who do you have for us today, Bob? Um, I have Margarita Mavro. Her actual, her last name is really Mavro Mavro Marcalis. Uh, she's from Greece. She spent many years in the U.S. and she uh, went by, but uh, she goes by Margarita Mavro here. Probably because, you know, Americans aren't good at pronouncing <laughs> names from other languages, myself included. As we've demonstrated today. 
<laughs> yeah, but Margarita, I, I met her actually through Harvey Stein. This must be Harvey Stein Day. We keep talking about him. You're yeah. welcome, Harvey. <laughs> um, she's a student of his. She um, she's from Greece. I think her father was a um, was a diplomat, so she lived around the world uh, when she was growing up. Her husband is a diplomat, so she's lived in many places. She's lived in the U.S. She lived in uh, Los Angeles for several years, and then many years in New York. And uh, not sure when she started photographing, but um, she was a some of Harvey Stein's classes and workshops. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he teaches people to work up close um, with uh, with wide lenses. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, he can't say enough good things about her. She is really an amazing photographer. Uh, I've got a li- link in the show notes to her, um, to her portfolio, her website, which is very well mm-hmm. done. And... It's funny, you know, you say, well, what do you like about her work? Sometimes I have a hard time putting that into words. Um, but she's just, she has a natural talent. And if you talk to her, she's, she's, she feels very deeply. And, and that comes through in her work. Um, you know, her, her soul shows through in her photographs. And mm-hmm. I heard someone once say, you know, the best photographs you take are, are, probably a little bit about yourself and i think when you when you come through it does make a difference and that's why i yeah. encourage you to look at her work uh she gets up close very up close and personal um i really like her she has a, a, a new york gallery she's done a lot of work in new york one of my favorite photographs is in there it's a when i first saw it it actually took my breath away it's it's taken i think in central park and there's a man dressed like a clown you know, there's a street performer with a little kid next to him, and they're just both completely ignoring each other. And you know, it's such a juxtaposition. Juxtaposition. And like I said, when I first saw it, I went, I went, oh! and that, <laughs> since then, it's been one of my favorite photographs. And she, she was back in uh, Greece by the time we we talked. She mailed that to me. She printed it and sent me a print. So it's Aww. in my office. Yeah, it's. Yeah, really something. Maybe maybe we'll even put a uh, we'll put it in the uh, article here that goes. Yeah, that'd be good to see. Um, not long ago, she vi- she's well, she's back in Greece and she visited the island of Lesbos, which is one of the places where the refugees from Syria are landing. Mm-hmm. And th- I've seen tons of photographs from there, uh, judging contests and things. And but hers are just just a different level and. and uh, be, I think because she was shooting, shooting so up close, and I talked to her about this, and she actually, she actually started crying just talking about what you know what it's like there with all these people coming across in these dangerous boats with these little kids, and you know mm-hmm. what they've been through in the war, and just very, very powerful images. Um, but we did an article about it, and I'll put a link to it. Um, in the show notes as well. Um, it's, it's inside the magazine. Um, but you know, I remember she was a featured photographer. Exactly. uh, Not too long ago. Right. Yes, she was. Um, And I remember thinking when I looked at her images that, you you know, sometimes because we look at so many street photography images, sometimes they can start feeling the same, you know, it's all people on the street, but 
her images just have something very unique about them. There's still people on the street. It's still street photography. But you're right. She has something very, I, I don't know if it's just more personal or if she's just a natural born artist, but there's something very unique about her street photography. Yeah, she is a natural born artist. And she's got soul and the soul comes through and she's probably going to be embarrassed as hell if she hears us say that. <laughs> She is one of the most talented people I've met, and probably the one one of the most humble. And a good combination. Great combination. <laughs> Check it out. Check it out for sure. All right, and I think uh, I think that pretty well wraps things up for this installation of Street Photography Magazine. Anything else you want to add, Ashley? Before we go. No, I think that's about it. We've got a lot of good stuff for everybody to check out. So. We'll keep it short and simple, I guess. All right. So we'll call it a day. And hey, remember, keep shooting. <laughs>